Hi, this is Randy Landry, and this is my 65th podcast. And today I'll be reading chapters 11, which is on my stepfather, and chapter 12, which is on my um, sister-in-law's. So I hope you enjoy these recitals of my chapters. Um, I think um, they were very interesting people. That's why I included them in my memoirs. In the next series of chapters, I'm going to discuss the individuals that I have mentioned and to some extent briefly glossed over them in my first book and earlier chapters in this book. By treating them in this manner, I have done a gross injustice to them. Therefore, I am going to rectify these breaches of etiquette and devote more time discussing their lives and the impact that they had on our family. Just a note, the order I am discussing them in this book in no way reflects on their importance to the family or to me personally. It is just how I wrote the book. Well, you guys are so sensitive. If you did not get a chapter in this book, I am sorry. This is in no way reflects in any way on your impact or your reports in the family. I just wanted the room to cover every member in the family, though you may get an honorable mention at the end of the book. In this first chapter in this section is devoted to an amazing man, my stepfather, Edward J. Mazder. <clears throat> Many people never even have one father that cares for them. I consider myself extremely fortunate to have had two incredible fathers. They both impacted my life in different ways. They have both passed away, and they are both are still missed. However, I digress. Let's get back to my stepfather's story. I'll use the dad to, among other titles of endearment, in this section in an effort to simplify things a little. Edward was born on February the 17th, 1928 in Bellows Falls, Vermont, to Joseph Mazder and Helena Suikula. He had four siblings, three sisters, Maria Mazder, Anna Mazder, Helen R. Mazder, and a brother, Joseph P. Mazder. He was a three-letter man in high school for baseball, football, and tennis. Soon after he graduated from high school, Edward joined the Navy in 1946 and served for two years. Though it is not documented in any historical literature, Dad Number 2 repeatedly regaled me with stories of his ride on one of Admiral Byrd's many exploratory flights over Antarctica. As near as I can figure, it took place in 1947. Apparently, my stepfather only served in an observational capacity. Ed met and shook hands with Admiral Byrd and spent some time talking with him. It was subsequently invited to fly with him as one of his passengers and observers. Dad's two-military career was otherwise unremarkable, and he left the military with an honorable discharge. He utilized the GI Bill to pay for his four-year degree at St. Michael's College. He went on to attain his master's in art and education at Plattsburgh State University. He had certifications to teach in mathematics and science. His love hour was earth science, and that is what he predominantly taught up until his retirement. His career path varied throughout his 40 years of teaching. When my mother married him, he was an assistant principal at the Dannemora High School. When he took a job teaching at Bennett Junior High School, he concentrated on teaching only. To supplement our family income, he taught night school a couple days a week and taught summer school as well for several years. During the latter part of his career, he only taught school in the days and only during the regular school year. While he was working, on his master's degree and to supplement his income. He was a swim instructor for the YMCA. Edward's educational career spanned 40 years. 
My stepfather was in the process of completing his divorce when he was introduced to my mother by her sister, Barbara Ducharme. He had four children from his marriage. Dad, too, basically raised me from the age of six years. He taught me how to swim. He taught me how to swim and to appreciate high school and science in particular. He treated me like one of his own children. He was always there for me. When I was older, we used to go to movies together just for a father and son outing. On occasion, when Mom went and visited my other siblings, I would go over and watch videos with him to keep him company. Even though he was not my blood father, I miss him just as much as I do my blood parents. Even years after my father retired, he would meet his old students, went out doing errands, and they all to a fall said hi and referred to him as Mr. Ed. In his later years, he made arts and crafts for my mother and sold them at craft festivals with my sister Regina. The constant working with his hands helped him with his arthritis. I built him a computer and set him up with a comprehensive software package. Though much to my surprise, his favorite game and program was Avery Cardoza Slots. He played that game for hours. There were more there were 34 years at the time of his passing. He left a strong legacy and influence on literally thousands of young adults in his educational career. He was loved by all and is missed in particular by me. That concludes the story of my father. Uh, but I want to put a little side note on here um, about my stepfather. He developed a mild case of rickets when he was a child, which manifested itself as basically a reversed ribcage. Typically, the lower part of the ribcage is larger than the upper portion, which allows for increased expansion of the lungs when the individual takes a deep breath. It did not affect his teenage life since he was able to play sports. However, in his later life, this malformation, plus his heavy smoking and early adult life, resulted in developing emphysema. What is his issue here is that his story about how he got it does not follow the facts that I've been able to collect on his family history. He told me that his mother died before his father when he was a teenager. He also stated that his father had limited cooking skills that in conjunction with a diet low in vitamin D and phosphorus resulted in both him and his brother developing rickets. The problem arises when I researched his family tree. According to all the facts I could find, his mother died after his father, and he was over 22 years of age when she died. I guess this is just one puzzle that will most likely never be solved. able to solve. My stepfather was always a trickster, like the Norse god Loki, so maybe this one little mystery about his life suits him just fine. Now on to the next chapter. On to the next chapter. I had two brothers, and therefore I had two sister-in-laws. Even though both my brothers had passed away, their wives still functioned as integral parts of the family. Ronald's wife, or Anne Marie Leonard, has been in the family since 1967 when she married Ronald on April the 22nd of that year. Ronald and Anne Marie had two sons, Ricky and Rodney. Even though my brother asked for a divorce in 1995, they were remarried in 1996 and remained so until 2005 when he passed away on May the 22nd. They were married a total of 37 years between the two marriages. She currently lives with Ricky in an attached casita. Anne-Marie Lee Leonard was born in August of 1945 to Charles F. Leonard and Elizabeth E. Highland. She had also one older brother named Charles, or Charlie as she calls him. Prior to the marriage, she worked as an executive secretary. She became a housewife soon after the marriage and has remained so to the present, where she is now retired and collects Social Security. After she removed in with her oldest son, she was able to partially pay her way by helping with the care of children. 
of the children and sitting for them when Ricky and Diane went out for the occasional evening outings. When Anne-Marie was married to Ronald, she remained faithful to him and provided a long, loving environment for her, her two sons. She never criticized him, even when he was having career difficulties. She stayed with him for better or worse, and through sickness and in health. When Ronald asked her to take him back, she asked me if I thought she was should remarry him. I recommended that she did not, because I thought my brother did not deserve her. I can still remember the time that she washed his feet in front of the family at a family reunion, as if that was his right. I also told her that no matter what her decision, she would always remain a part of the Landry clan. As our mother got older, it was becoming too much for her to host all the holidays. So Anne-Marie, in order to relieve some of the load, she offered to host a Thanksgiving meal. Baking was not her forte, so our mother still baked the pies. She, she was also instrumental in completing the ch this chapter on my oldest brother. Doreen Blind married my brother, Robert Edward Landry, in 1972 in New York to the parents Kenneth and Blind and Joan M. Bailey. They subsequently had three daughters and one son. Doreen was born in New York State on October 29, 1953. She graduated from Our Lady Mary High School in 1970. There is little information on her life prior to their marriage. Doreen came from a big family. Her father worked for Kodak in Rochester, New York. He was also able to get Robert a job working at Kodak, however he squandered that opportunity. As I stated before, Robert over the years went through jobs and businesses frequently. He was always looking for a new way to make a living. Every house he bought required a total renovation. It always seemed like Doreen was living in some mess or another. To be honest with the reader, I am not sure how she lasted as long as she did. Even though she left him, they were never officially divorced. Robert worked hard to make a home for the family, but he was just not good at managing finances. They were forced to sell several houses because he had second and even third mortgages on them, and he could not make the payments. Every time I saw Doreen or talked to her, she seemed to have that flat effect style of speaking, and she rarely smiled or laughed. I know nobody is perfect, and she had been a little less accommodating to Robert's every whim. Maybe he would have knuckled down and stayed in one place with one job. Like I said in Chapter 8, he did have some nice places once they were fixed up. I am sure the constant grind of living in houses with no cabinets or bedrooms or all the necessities were Doreen down, finally. She wasn't always the best of hostesses, but can you blame her? I always try to put myself in other people's shoes before I pass judgment. She wasn't always a favorite of the rest of the Landry family, either. Most of my kin leaned towards Robert's side. However, I think Doreen got a bad rep. None of the family, siding with Robert, actually lived with Robert. Robert had a heart of gold, even though he could be a handful at times. If I was ever to talk to Doreen again, I would tell her that she did the best she could under the circumstances. That concludes the chapter on my sister-in-laws. This also concludes my podcast. I know it's a little short, but I'm trying to uh, set it up for the next couple of chapters that I'll be reading. You have a great day and take care until we meet again.